Listeners, please note, this week's episode of Healthy Voices Radio discusses suicide. If you or a loved one is in crisis, call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255 or text 741-741 for the crisis text line. Hey, everybody. We just finished the third episode of Season 2 of Healthy Voices Radio. This is Robert and Brady. We just spoke with Anne-Marie Otis. What an amazing advocate, Brady, huh? I'll tell you what, Robert. I'm still sitting here just reeling. Anne-Marie is able to talk about you know, these very serious, very important issues and, and do it with a, with a lightheartedness, but at the same time a sincerity that that, that you know it's coming from the heart and and she does it in a way too that opens your eyes and, and makes you see things from a little bit of a different perspective um, she is like you said just a great advocate yeah I definitely enjoyed uh, her talking about her advocacy and how the family kind of got it all started all, and then she kind of moved on to the uh, What Would You Miss uh, project which is an amazing project you're going to have to listen to the, the rest of the episode to hear all about it but it definitely uh, puts things into perspective and really, really opens your eyes to the reality of what's around us. So we hope you guys enjoy the episode. You are listening to Healthy Voices Radio, where you will hear podcasts featuring stories from our Healthy Voices family, hosted by amazing advocates, interviewing amazing advocates. Now, here's your Healthy Voices Radio host talking all things health-related, Robert Brining and Brady Dale Morris. And hello, everyone. It is Brady Del Morris, and welcome back to Healthy Voices Radio. Healthy Voices Radio is produced and sponsored by Jansen, the founder of Healthy Voices, a groundbreaking leadership conference created exclusively to empower online health advocates. For more information on Healthy Voices, please visit healthyvoices.com and follow at Healthy Voices on Twitter and Instagram for updates on this podcast, as well as future Twitter chats, webinars, and the 2020 conference coming up April 24th through the 26th. Also, real quick, to get um, some housekeeping out of the way, uh, some disclaimers real quick. If you need advice or have questions about your treatment or condition, we urge you to speak with your doctor as we cannot provide medical advice. As a reminder, per regulatory guidelines, we are not permitted to discuss any medications or products during today's episode. All information that will be shared today is being done so in a public capacity. We will not share any personal and confidential information that we do not want others to know. We will not be sharing any personal or confidential information about other people. And last but not least, Jansen paid Robert and I to host and produce this podcast episode and series. All thoughts expressed here are our own. And with that said, let me bring on my fantastic co-host, Robert Browning. Hey, Robert. Hey, Brady, how are you? It's so good to be back and, and, and on the air with you. Yes, as, as always, it's always a pleasure to share the airwaves with you. And I'm so excited, Robert, that we finally have our guest on today that we have. I know, I'm so excited. This is actually the third episode of the second season. And uh, if you missed the previous episodes, go back and check it out on Blog Talk or any of your um, iTunes, uh, wherever you download your podcast, you can find Healthy Voices Radio. We had two amazing advocates on before, Tiffany Karos and Elisa M. Bridges. Today, we have a special guest, uh, Brady. This is somebody who holds a special place in our heart. 
Um, this is what Absolutely. Healthy Voices is all about. You know, uh, going to the conference, you go there within your 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 own tribe, right, which has your, your similar health condition, and then you go there and you meet other people who walk other paths, who deal with other, you know, conditions in their lives and are other advocates across the health spectrum. And Anne-Marie Otis is somebody that I immediately connected with, her humor, her wittiness. Um, it's just, it was like an automatic bond. It's really what Healthy Voice is about. Do you remember meeting Anne-Marie for the first time? I don't know how I could not remember meeting Anne-Marie for the first time. <laughs> it's just, she's just one of those people that when walks into the room, um, you immediately know she's there. Right. Regardless if you meet her or not, you definitely hear, hear her in the room. Right. <laughs> I think the first, the first memory I have is, is, is or, or one of my favorite memories is my first Healthy Voices. I believe she was behind me, and I was taking a picture, and she came up and, like, made a, the, the action of biting my ear. Um, and it was just hilarious, and she's always been one of my favorite people um, and really, you know, makes Healthy Voices what Healthy Voices is. Um, so let me just read a little bit about her. Let me uh, go over her bio for everyone who uh, is not familiar with Anne-Marie Otis. Uh, Paralleling a cancer diagnosis into an advocacy powerhouse, cancer badass Anne-Marie Otis gives voice to people impacted by breast cancer, MS, and mental health issues. Since establishing the nonprofit Stupid Dumb Breast Cancer Organization in 2012, Anne-Marie has worked tirelessly to engage the community through awareness programs and fundraising initiatives and to ensure that everyone who suffers is heard. She currently serves as a community manager for WISDO, a social media advisor of Lightbulb and Easy Bra, and a consultant for The Mighty. She also is working on a fantastic campaign um, or project called What Would You Miss? We're going to speak about that later. So please help me welcome the beautiful, the funny, my, one of my favorite people in the world, Anne-Marie Otis. Hey, Anne-Marie. Oh, my God. That was like the best intro Ever. This is why you guys are my bros. <laughs> I love you guys. I'm so excited to be here. Good. And we are tickled to death to have you. So let's dive right into it, Anne-Marie. Um, uh, I guess or your advocacy began with breast cancer, a breast cancer diagnosis. So I guess for our listeners, what is breast cancer? Yeah, so breast cancer can be so many things. It could be a lump that you find. It could be discharge coming out of your nipple. That was me. It could be um, an inverted nipple. It could be a, a million different ways you can find your you could find breast cancer. And the biggest risk factor for getting breast cancer is having breasts. So it affects both men and women. And that is something that you know I've always really advocated pretty strong for because I have four boys and now they have breast cancer on there medical history and that that really affected me that you know men do get breast cancer and about 420 men die every single year because of breast cancer and we don't talk about that part of it and I have four boys so that that part of breast cancer has been really important to me you know I I really started stupid on breast cancer because my family is super nosy and I they needed somewhere (laughs) to like go and find out information about me and I had no idea people would actually pay attention to I was shook when I met, started meeting people. I, it was it like blew my mind that people wanted to hear what I had to say. I mean, I know I'm loud, but I'm you know not always you know I'm not everyone's cup of tea because you know I I can be a little obnoxious. Not gonna Were lie. you always loud? Like as a kid? I was always loud. I'm always loud. Actually, <clears throat> I'm still friends with my my 
eighth grade math teacher who called me mouth and still calls me mouth <laughs> to this day. I love it. I had a few teachers. I had a few teachers also. Um, call, I mean, I was called the mouth of the South all through school. Um, but Emory, um, I, I think that's interesting that you, you that you talked about how breast cancer can take on all these different forms. Because when I think of breast cancer, everything that I've seen in you know commercials or on TV, they talk about finding lumps in a breast. Right. No. Um, no. But you said so. There's any kind of deformity that one would see within their breast area should be an be an Absolutely. alarm or an alert. It should be addressed. Your medical it should be addressed. Gotcha. There's also, a, you know, a myth that cancer doesn't hurt. And if you're having pain in your breast, go get it checked out. You know, it could be absolutely nothing, but why, why sit on that? And yes, any change in your breast, go see your doctor. Know your body. Make sure you're doing self-breast exams. Even boys, you guys got to be doing them. You know, just make sure that you know your body and what it looks like every single month so that if it changes, you, you are aware of it. That's a great. You know, so, yes. You guys, listening to you guys yeah. talk, well, listening to you guys talk, you were talking about how Healthy Voices like interweaves all these different advocates. And I know it sounds odd, but I advocated so long for breast cancer. I didn't find myself connecting in the breast cancer community anymore. I, I don't know why I didn't, but I just didn't. And I, I will never forget my first Healthy Voices. I was sitting in the front row. And my son was just diagnosed with a mental illness. And Krista Hickey came up, and she was, she was an advisor that year, and she talked very candidly about her son. And I just sat there sobbing. I, and I just remember thinking, these are my people. These are my people. <laughs> so talking right. to you guys right here is, like, so comfortable. It's just like hanging out with my friends and just having a great conversation. And that's what it is. That's kind of where the idea of the show came about, you know, those conversations that healthy voices in the hotels, in the lobby, you know, outside the rooms, in the restrooms, wherever you're having these one-on-one conversations with individuals. It's really a a great space to be in. So I'm excited for this year coming up. Me too. Me too. Well, and Marie, I'm curious. You said that the number one uh, risk factor for breast cancer is having breasts. What what are some other risk factors um, for, for breast cancer? You know, a history of cancer, of course, which we all have. That is, you know, just everyone somewhere in their line of family has, you know, breast cancer in it. Um, having having um, dense breasts is another risk factor, and that's something that you talk to your doctor about. You you know, instead of giving mammograms, you might want to get MRIs. Um, you know, Brady, the funny thing is, is with cancer in general, there's there's a couple words I don't love, and Risk factors is one of them because if you look at the gen- the generic risk factors, it does put a lot of guilt on you, right? Like smoking. I smoke cigarettes. You know, it's not my fault I got cancer. Yes, I smoke cigarettes, but that I didn't smoke them to like get cancer. You know, and it makes you feel really guilty about that. Um, and I hate that part of any advocacy that we do. And I know I've talked to other advocates in, the, in health conditions, and they all get that somehow. You know, oh. Did you not breastfeed your baby enough? Then you, you know, that's, that's, breastfeeding is supposed to help. But I, I had four kids and I breastfed every single one of them. So, you know, and right. when I was diagnosed, I was in the best health of my life. I was fit. I was eating right. I was a personal trainer. You know, I felt great. I really, truly did. And then I got breast cancer. So, you know, the other word that I can't stand is prevention because you can't prevent it. I mean, you can do all these things right. to, 
you know, boost your metabolism and be really healthy. And what's great about it is if you get diagnosed and you have to go through treatment, it does help you with that treatment because your body is ready, you know, to fight. But it's not going to prevent anything. You just get cancer sometimes. And I hate the shaming part of it because I know that I felt that way. Like I was like, I did this to my family. You know, you start thinking all these thoughts that are so irrational, but you can't help but to think them. Right. You're absolutely right. And I'm so glad you, you brought that up because, and it will help tie into when we talk about your, your what would you miss project yeah. later on. But, but you're right. Any kind of co- chronic condition, when we are diagnosed with it, we sit and, and we do, we wonder what did we do wrong? What you know, I had to have done right. it to myself or, or something like that. And, and you're right. There's a lot of self shame that it goes on, um, with a diagnosis like that. Um, so how did you wind up um, telling your family after your diagnosis? So um, it, that was telling my kids was like the hardest thing ever because I had had a lump and the doctor said that it was nothing and you'll be fine. And then I had to sit them down and tell them that I had cancer. And I'll never forget my, he's now 19, but my then 13 year old eldest son was pissed. He was so angry. He was, you know, his first thing he said was, you lied to me. You, you said you would never lie to me. You lied to me. And he felt so such betrayal. And that was devastating to, like, rip their innocence from them. It was really devastating. Um, when I came home from the doctors, my father was watching my youngest son, who was four at the time. He's 12 now. And I had to tell my dad. And my dad's, like, typical, you know, Italian. He's, like, super emotional, like, <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know, he's like everything is like you can get a hangnail, and it's like, oh my god, you guys! And the first thing I said to him was, "Don't you dare cry! Don't you dare cry! This is my cancer! Don't you dare cry!" And looking back now in retrospect, that was really wrong. I shouldn't have done that because I had this no crying rule. Nobody could cry. If I wasn't crying, nobody was crying. But when I did cry, they didn't know what the hell to do. <laughs> Like, right. Why, why are you crying? Like, what do we do? You had conditioned everyone. I had conditioned That's hilarious. everyone. And everyone believed that I was, you know, super strong and being really, you know, inspir- inspirational. Meanwhile, I was like a rack. I was a rack, right. but I couldn't cry because I had a no crying role. It was, I mean, at the time I thought it was so smart and, you know, I wasn't going to let my dad cry, but I needed to cry at times. And when I did, my family had no idea how to handle it. <laughs> And I have to tell you, I'm looking at your blog here. If people want to check it out, they can go to stupiddumbbreastcancer.com. Um, and, and the story, you know, you're talking about when you, you shared uh, your diagnosis with your children. And you're, first of all, your children are so beautiful. Your family is beautiful. These photos that I see on your blog uh, are amazing. I mean, I can't wait to meet them. One of these days we're going to have to meet. Did any, does one of them play soccer? Definitely. Do I see that here? Um, they did play soccer. They're all runners now. Uh, they're all runners now? Sorry. Yeah, they're runners now. That's okay. I, I ran track, so we're good. So we'll stop something. Yeah, you got it. You're great. <laughs> but no, I, one of the things that really stuck to, stuck to me after reading it is, is the thing that your, your, your four-year-old, I guess, at the time said. Um, can you mm-hmm. kind of share kind of where, what he said to you? Yeah. So when, 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 I was like, when we told the kids that I had breast cancer, he immediately just looked at us and was like, stupid, dumb, breast cancer. And it stuck because those were like bad words to say for, you know, stupid and dumb. Meanwhile, his mother has a podcast, yeah. but that's besides the point. Um, I don't swear in front of my kids. If you can believe that, I do not swear in front of my kids. Anyway, that like really <laughs> empowered him to be able to say those words because 
they were naughty in his mind and he was really angry. You know, he was upset. So stupid dumb breast cancer, that's where it came from. And it just stuck. Well, it really works. I mean, I think it's, uh, you know, that's where those, those genius ideas come from. You know, sometimes they come from yep. a four-year-old and I think it's awesome. That's so true. tell me what made you want to become an advocate? What was what what the, what, what made you decide I, I want to go vocal? Because you could have just you know like a lot of people kept it to yourself within your thing and and and, and lived your life. But what made you say you know what I'm gonna you know rip the hinges off it and, and shout it? So two moments I, I that resonate with me. One was the night before my surgery, my mastectomy. The doctors had kept talking about these drains that I was going to have, and I didn't really think about it until the, of course the night before the surgery when you're like a, a nervous wreck. And I Googled it, and I was, like, shocked at what I, what I saw and what was going to happen to me. I was, like, freaked out. You know, I, I wished at that moment that the doctor would have shown them to me before because I was, like, I'm having tubes come out of my body. Like, what is this? What is this liquid that's in here? And it really jarred me. And I thought, other people need to know about this. Like, if I don't know about it, then I guarantee you the next person diagnosed doesn't know about it either. So that was part of it. And then – my girlfriend, um, who's a photographer, she, she said to me, you know, I'm not going to cook because you cook better than I do. I'm not taking your kids because you got too many of them. So the only thing I can do for you is take pictures. And we really didn't know what I would do with the pictures, but she just, she, she originally was a, um, a photo, a journal, photographic journalist. So she did that for a long time until she became a mom. So she took all these pictures and I said to my kids, you know, do you guys want to see these pictures? And my son, Sam, was like, I'm not sure. I said, we well, don't have to. And then he said, no, I want to. So I showed him the pictures. And he says, they're very graphic. They're very uncensored. They're, you know, scars and bruises and everything else. And Sam looked at me and said, oh, my God, thank God. And I was like, thank God. Like, who says that from seeing these pictures? And he said, <laughs> I thought you were going to have two holes in your chest. I didn't realize they'd be sewed shut. And that sealed the deal for me because I thought, God, there's so many misconceptions here. You know, I didn't know what trains were. He thought I was going to have holes in it. So I decided that I have all this information that I know because I've gone through it. And I needed to share that with other people. And part of my whole advocacy has always been connecting people. Um, You guys both know that. Like, if I know someone that can help you, I'm going to connect that person and that's because I think that all of our stories matter. So it was really important to me to share this information that we that I have. Wow, that's an, that's incredible. I think what you do is amazing. And um, so we, we we talked about the idea of how stupid for us the name came from. What made you actually mm-hmm. decide to start the the website and the blog? You said most of it was for your family, but well, what what else was, were were the main reasons? That was really it. Honest to God, it was just for my family. I, I will never forget. I had someone in Ireland that was reading my blog and bought a stupid dumb breast cancer t-shirt. And I was like, why is this person reading my stuff? But it clicked. I don't know why they were reading it because it was, it was me on a, on a, on a computer screen. I didn't like, it was, there was no, you know, I didn't correct my spelling mistakes. I used too many exclamation points. It wasn't polished. It was, it was imperfect the way that I am. And I think people really resonated mm-hmm. with that. And the more people that started following me, the, the more I realized I needed to keep doing this and keep being a voice. So honestly, it, it was just, it was my family needing to know my business. And then it was 
when I saw these people connecting with me, I realized that this is this was something I had to do, and it wasn't just about me. And it, it's funny because every now and then I'll be like, "Ugh, I'm so done with this. Like, I cannot do this anymore." And just today, I got a I got a message from someone, and they said, "I just wanted to say thank you. I've been following this page for five years now, and you've helped me every wow. step of the way." And I and I thought this is why I'm, I keep doing it. Like, I get a message like that, and then it makes me just want to do do more. Yeah, totally. Well, and then, Emory, you, I mean, you started off advocating and, and kind of found your advocacy voice due to breast cancer. But but lately, I mean, you've, you've gone so much further than that. Now mm-hmm. you have gone um, and begun advocating for mental health issues. What kind of what, – what led you in that direction from – how did you go from breast cancer yeah. to, to mental health? So when I was diagnosed, I was very honest on my – on my medical forms, and I had put that I was a recovering addict, you know, 30 years clean, but still, you know, have an addictive personality. Um, right. I have two suicide. I have two suicide attempts. Um, I was hospitalized for uh, suicidal ideations eight, a year before my cancer diagnosis, and not once did somebody say to me, "Do you want to talk to somebody?" Not one time. Nobody said it to me. Actually, at the when I was after my full year of treatment and everything, the doctor patted me on the back and said, you did great. See you in a year. And I remember coming home and just sobbing and just sobbing, not uncontrollably because this whole year had been so difficult and so traumatic and nobody was there to like say, you know, it's okay. You went through this. There's other people that, you know, you can rely on. And I realized um, I needed help. Like I needed to talk to someone. I was not in a good place. And then my son had some mental health issues, and I have another son who has OCD and a high anxiety. And it's really hard when you're a mom and you live with depression and your kids live with depression. So I wanted to be a voice for that for that genre, so to speak. Um, and you guys know, living with a chronic illness, depression and anxiety come right with it. It's not it's, they run on the same course. It's not on the other side of the track. It's right next to you. And I feel like our medical system does not do a good job of looking at that. I mean, I had I had addict on my medical history, and my doctor's feeding me oxy. Like, seriously? Wow. You know, right. we need to talk about these things. And there's, you know, we talked about shame before. There's nothing to be shameful about. We all make mistakes. We all, you know, fall down. You know, but we all we can get back up. So I turned it into, I I turned more into the mental health world and. I, to be honest, I, I'm so comfortable there. You know, last year um, I came out with my my sexual assault story, and because I did that, it, it made me stronger than I had ever been because then I shared, you know, my suicide attempt. And I had someone message me, and they said, you know, I can't talk about this stuff for a lot of reasons. Thank you for being the voice for so many. And, again, like that just propelled me into wanting to do more and to really – keep talking about it. And the past, a friend of mine, uh, a good girlfriend of mine, her son died by suicide last year. And the past couple of months I've been kind of struggling and I just keep thinking about this kid and what could he have, what could we have done to save him? And what could I do to save myself? And that was when I started thinking a lot more about saving myself. Like you can't save me. I have to save myself. But how do you do that? How do you do that when you're so depressed and you don't feel worthy? Because if you don't feel worth, you don't have hope. They go together. 
You know, we've yeah. all been feeling, we've all had a moment where we, we have felt so worthless, right? And, but you've, if, if you've never lived in depression or you've never lived with suicidal thoughts, you can, you can think about all the ways that you're worthy. But when you don't, when you live with that, it's really hard. And I remember when I was hospitalized, right before I was hospitalized, I had, my girlfriends are awesome and I love them. But they would say things like, oh, you got four kids and you got a great house and, you know, you're going to be okay. And that just made me feel guilty, more guilty. Like, oh, my God, I have four kids. Why am I thinking like this? So right. the past couple of months, I've, I've really been trying to find a way to help myself. And I think I might have found it. <laughs> and I think you make a lot of great points there, Marie, because, you know, as, as health advocates, when when we kind of begin dipping our toes in the water of, especially in social media, uh, we're really wanting to just enlighten and, and inform others and educate others about our our conditions and what it's like living with that. But we don't also realize sometimes at the same time that we are putting all of ourselves out there and and that can come with criticisms or that can come yep. with, with losing some of your anonymity within your community. Yep. And, and so it's really important that we take the time to also – look at ourselves and, and keep reevaluating our mental health and asking ourselves, it's okay to ask ourselves, are you okay right now? Are you okay? Can you do this? Can you, can you show up for this presentation? Do you need to do this event or do you need to stay home and take care of you? I just had a girlfriend post um, on Facebook earlier today. No is a complete sentence. And I totally agree with that. Like we have to learn to say no more. And it's okay to say no. Like you don't even need to give a reason. I can say no, and I don't have to give a reason to that. The answer could just be no. Right, mm. right. So then, Emory, you've turned this um, your your kind of mental health and and suicide awareness into a project called What Would You Miss? Yeah. What? Tell us yes. about it. So when I was struggling a couple of months ago, like I said, I was really trying to find my words, and I couldn't find it. I know you guys are probably like what do you mean? You know, you're an advocate, you're this. I just couldn't find where I felt worthy. And I was starting to lose a little bit of hope and it was scaring me a little bit. So I started thinking about things in life that I would miss. And I don't, I just needed to know that I would miss things, but I, it wasn't like I missed my kids. I, I needed to find it within myself. And I found all these like really ridiculous things. Like I would miss singing in the car at the top of my lungs. I would miss being in an elevator and singing with people and dancing. I would miss going to Bunko with my girlfriends. And when I started thinking about these things, my list got really big. Like I would miss loving unicorns. You know, that's where my worth is. My worth is in my uniqueness. And I started bouncing it off of some people. And I had said to one of my good friends, I said, I would miss going to Bunko. And her response to me was, I would miss you at Bunko. And it hit me. I was like, wow, I'd be missed at Bunko. Like not not just for like cleaning the dishes or doing the laundry, but like for just my presence. And so I started right. asking my friends um, who've lost, you know, a child or a loved one by, by suicide. And at first they came back with, I just miss them terribly. And I said, no, that's not it. Dig really deep. Like, what do you miss? And I'll, I'll never forget this statement. A, a girlfriend of mine said, I would miss this. I, I missed because her son died by suicide two years ago. Um, I miss his socks on the bathroom floor and it hit me and I thought about that kid. You know, if you, if you've suffered with depression and you're a teen, I thought about that kid sitting in that gym 
if maybe I did a presentation and they see, you know, this mother misses her kid's socks on the floor and that kid might have had an argument with his parents because, you know, he left his backpack in the kitchen again and he thinks he's such a burden to his family. And if he saw that and realized that he'd be missed for all those things that he thinks he's annoyed, that makes him annoying, maybe he would stop and think what he's, what, what he's, what his life means. Right, and, absolutely. And can I, and right? for me, as someone who's also a survivor of a suicide attempt, for me, you right. know, in part of my therapy um, afterwards, you know, I was, one of the suggestions was a, was a gratitude journal. And for me, yep. at that time, you know, I couldn't really grasp my head around gratitude. It was, for me, it was just, you know, nope. a struggle to wake up and, and to get dressed in the morning. But when you put it in your in in this in these words, what would you miss? It's a, it it made it more it's real. It made it more it made right. it more relatable to me instead of thinking something as gratitude. Well, what would I miss? What would I miss? Yeah, and it, it you know it goes it goes so many ways, right? So as I started this project, I started to have friends text me, and they were like, "What do you what would you miss about me?" So it, you know, it takes this really heavy, intense conversation and softens it a little bit so that you can have a natural conversation. And I will tell you guys um, three quick stories. One being I had I posted a picture that someone had submitted to What Would You Miss? And the next day the person messaged me and said, I was going to kill myself last night, but I didn't because all I could think about was what I would miss. And what I would miss most is the feeling of surviving. Like I was blown away, literally blown away. And then I had a mother message me and tell me that she could tell her son was struggling. So she started telling her son all the things that she would miss about him. And he texted her later that day and said, I was going to kill myself today, mom, but you made me realize that you would miss me. And she was texting me from the hospital because her son was being admitted to the hospital. And And the last thing is, is it validates other people. So it really validates those those people who have lost somebody and who are struggling, it puts everybody in this circle together. So go ahead. I was just to say that I'm just so glad that you're doing this project because suicide, it's just, it's really, it's uncomfortable to talk about. And, but it is something that we, we have to talk about. Um, and we want our listeners to know that, you know, the national suicide prevention um, lifeline, mm-hmm. if, if you are having those types of thoughts or, you know, someone in, in, um, in trouble is one 800 273-8255 and that's the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. Um, yeah, and you can also text 741741. Awesome. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Um, well, talking, um, just so moving now on to what do you do with all of this heavy stuff that you, that you, ha- that you handle and you, 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 you move between breast cancer and, and mental health issues, suicide, what did you do for self-care? Yeah, I cook. I cook a lot. <laughs> Cooking makes me feel so good. I love to cook. What's your big dish? I love to cook. I put, oh, God, so just about anything. I mean, I love Sunday dinner. Sunday dinner, my whole family comes over, my sister, my nieces. You know, we have this great meal, sauce, different types of sauce, different pastas, chicken, meatballs, salad. You know, I just love to cook. It just makes me feel balanced. And, you know, I, I know the holidays are for everyone, and they really stress people out, but this is my baking time, and I just want to bake cookies and just send them around to people. And, you know, when someone – this is going to sound ridiculous, but, like, just a little while ago when I cooked dinner and 
I heard my kids say, oh, my God, Mom, this is my favorite meal. Like, I'm in a, I was in kind of a crappy mood earlier, and them just saying that makes me feel so good. So cooking is definitely it. And, you know, reaching out to my friends. I got – and you both are two of them. You know, I got great friends that if I send them a message and I'm like, dude, today sucks, you know, they're going to come back and they're going to support me. And right. you know, the funny thing is, is almost all of the people that I have, you know, and if anyone listening is suffering um, from suicidal thoughts, get a safety plan and put it on your phone. You know, it's really, really important. And people on my safety plan are people from Healthy Voices, and that's the truth. They're people I know I that message is? that aren't. So a safety plan is something that you put that has. Um, your doctor's number is on it. It has the local hospital. It has the 741-741 text number. It has your toolbox. You know, what do you do when you're struggling? What are some tools that you can use to pull yourself out? And it has at least four people that you can text or call that will be, that will be there and listen to you. So I keep it on my phone. I know exactly where it is. And it also originally I had things on there that I felt grateful for. Well, I've switched it now, and I put things that I would miss. So I, I have it right there in front of me. I have all these things that I would miss right in front of me. So if I'm struggling, I can say to myself, oh, my gosh, I forgot about that. And I add to it daily. I, I constantly add. The What Would You Miss project has just blossomed, and I, I, I really take it to heart. But mine has about five people on there that I know I can text and I can send a message to, and they will respond to me and help me out. And I think I remember Very talking to you at, at, at the previous Healthy Voices. There's even times when you won't even – say words you just kind of just send emojis right yeah emojis or we use code words so i have some friends that will just send me sometimes they'll just send me the word cookie and i know that they need um they need some support and what's great about safety words is if you're embarrassed because you know we got to put stigma around around it if you're embarrassed that you're struggling and you just send a word like that you're not saying i need help but that person on the other line knows exactly what you need and it's real simple to send a cookie emoji or a pickle. You know, I always try to find a really funny word so that when they send it, they don't feel like, um, you know, that they're in crisis. They feel like they're just reaching out to a friend. Right. Now, that's awesome. Awesome safety words. That's a, that's a good idea to have, um, you know, when, when you're in need. One of the things I want to talk about yeah. is the amazing work that you do over uh, with our friends at Wisdo. Can you, can you share a little bit about that? Yeah, so Wisdo is a it's a basically a mental health app and it's a chat service. So we have everything from depression to anxiety to motherhood to chronic illness and it's a place for people to come in and be themselves and be able to be their uncensored, you know, uh, guard down human being. And we have, you know, I have great volunteers that help me out manage it and it's just a great place to be able to you know, it's not Facebook, so it's not pretty. <laughs> you know, people, right. you know, are, are very raw and very real in there. And, um, you know, we have a great we have a great staff, and it's growing, which is wonderful. Um, and I'm really proud to be able to manage that community and nurture it. I'm known as Mama there because everyone comes to me for, you know, a big hug, so to speak. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I was a, I I a chatter once on there. I have to get involved and do that again one time. It was a lot of fun meeting people. I would love for you guys to do it anytime. Yeah, and that's the other thing. Like any healthy voices person that wants to come in and do it's what we do. What's called an AMA, Ask Me Anything, and they can come in and they can. We'll put a question up, and the community will ask some questions, and you can put videos up, and 
you know, it's a great, it's a, it's a free platform. So if you guys want, you know, it's, it's free in the respect that it's your free advertising, you know, if you want to share your right. information and whatnot in a safe environment, I would love to have you. Yeah, I think that would be awesome. Amazing. I had a great time last time. I'm sure yeah. Brady would do great in there. Yeah, for sure. You know, you were but talking a little Marie- bit earlier about what would you miss, and I didn't uh, get to chime in a little bit, you know, and you were speaking about kind of how it, it spans across and has grown so much over um, the past, I guess, few months. Uh, I recently saw you on television. You were talking about it at one of your, I guess, local mm-hmm. stations there in, in New York. And it, and it made me really yeah. bring the question back to my own personal life. I, I recently lost somebody to suicide over the last year who was somebody who I dated. It was my first boyfriend. And I kind of heard about yeah. it and uh, wasn't able to process it and go to the funeral because it wasn't really open to everybody. But it made me really sit back and think about all the things that I missed about him. You know what I mean? Like the his witty little humor, you know, taking rides with him. And then I kind of applied it to my life at, in regards to my father, not being around the things that I miss in my grandfather, how yep. he used to like run, run around singing like a, a barber quartet, you know, and, and my father's keys jingling, you know, when he was walking or his cane being hung up on, on, on the counter, you know, when he was not using it, things like that are, you know, it just really put things into perspective and it's such an important thing. So is there a website directly for that project? Just, I don't have a website up yet, but we have a Facebook page, What Would You Miss, with a question mark, and an Instagram, What Would You okay. Miss. And if anybody wants to submit anything, we've been, we have a great photographer that I'm working with. Um, if you don't have an image, she will create something. And it, it, there's some really powerful posts coming up right now. Uh, it's really, really, really incredible to watch people open up in this way. And, you know, what you said about processing it, I recently was just talking to a friend who was telling me all these things that he missed about his son. And it was a very long list of things that he missed about his son. And afterwards he said he needed to get all that out because, you know, his son isn't here and he misses him and it's okay to miss somebody. You know, we want it. We want people to like grieve and then get over it. Well, that's not how life works. We grieve and we grieve timelessly. You know, you could be okay one minute and in 10 years you're, you're suffering again. So, you know, the great thing about what would you miss is it lets you process that. And, you know, it also lets me talk to my 12-year-old about suicide, right? Because he said to me the other day, he's like, Mom, did you start that? And I said, yeah, I sure did. And he's like, oh, it's really cool. You know, and then we could have this real natural conversation about things that I would miss if he wasn't here. And he lived with, he lives with bipolar. Like, you know, this is something we struggle with. And now it's turned into, like, if we're walking the dog and playing music, the kids are like, oh, I would miss walking the dog and playing music. They're kind of joking, but at the same time, it's, it, they're around it. They're aware of it. Right. Yeah, that's awesome. And they know, they know that they can come to you to talk about it. Yes, exactly. It's what a good space, mommy. Right? Right. I love it. I try. <laughs> I know Robert and I, Robert and I could sit and talk to you, you know, for hours on end, but our time is unfortunately coming to an end. Um, before we let you go, real quick, how can we find and how can our listeners find you online? If you Google "stupid dumb breast cancer," I'm a hundred percent sure you're going to find me. <laughs> I cannot hide from Google. I'm on every social platform. You know, "stupid dumb breast cancer," Instagram, Facebook. Uh, Twitter, uh, stupidonbreastcancer.com, and then the What Would You Miss on Instagram and Facebook right now. Website is coming, but it, this What Would You Miss moved so quickly that I feel like the website needs really tender, loving care. So I do have somebody building it right now. It just is going to be a little bit of time. 
and we, we are working on a PSA. I just did inter, I just did filming for it uh, yesterday. So we have one more round of filming, and it's, we're making a great video. It's going to be so impactful. I cannot wait. Well, before we let you go, we've, we've talked a little bit already about some of our Healthy Voices experience. What is your favorite Healthy Voices memory? Oh, God. Um, geez. I mean, I, I guess I could say it's probably, you know, open mic night, but that's not really it. I think, honestly, my favorite Healthy Voice memory is the first day. Not even when, like, the sessions start. It's, you know, you don't even have to be part of it. You can be stepping back a little bit, watching everyone. Oh, my God, Robert! And, you know, yeah. everyone's hugging each other. And, you know, new people are coming in, and they're in the corner. They're kind of they're kind of nervous. And then you see other people. Oh, are you part of Healthy Voices? Come on over here. And you just engulf people. I mean, every year that I've gone to it, I missed the first year because I was in treatment. Every year that I've gone to it, I have connected with someone amazing, like amazing. My best friends have come out of Healthy Voices. And I'm not, I'm not just saying that because I'm on this podcast. I mean, Jen Campesano is one of my best friends. You know, you guys, Gabe right. Nathan, I, you know, I couldn't have done, for the record, I couldn't have done What Would You Miss Without Gabe Nathan because he really was my sounding board. And so I'm going to say my best memory is just that first day when we're all arriving and how excited we all are. The worst day is the last yeah. day. I'm not going to lie. It's really hard to leave. Like, yeah, it is. you know, it's really hard. Um, and these are, these are our people, right? You know, we all get it. Right. Right. It's our, it is, a, it's granted. We have our, like our smaller tribes, but it is our larger chronic health community tribe. And like you said, everyone yeah. there gets it. They get it. And well, you know what I love, though? I love that. Wait, let me say one more thing. I love yeah. that we can all mm-hmm. give each other crap. Like, we can we can poke fun at each other. We can, you know, bust each other's chops. And, you know, that's what a family is all about. Like, really. Yes. Yes. So, and, and hold anyways, each other sorry. accountable. No, you're yeah. right. It's, it's what we yeah. do. We hold each other accountable, but it's also done with nothing but love. And that's what that's what it is. Right. Well, Anne-Marie, thank That's you funny. so much for joining Robert and I on, on Healthy Voices Radio. We are so happy that we finally got to have you on. Uh, thank you so much for the great conversation, and uh, we look forward to seeing you soon. I look forward to seeing you guys and giving you a big, fat hug. Yeah, we're going right. to be in thank Jersey so City much. in December, so maybe we'll be able to meet up. <laughs> oh, sounds good to me. You know, I love New York City with my boys. You know it. All right, honey, you have a great night. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Oh, there you have it. There's Anne-Marie. And for more information on Anne-Marie and Stupid Dumb Breast Cancer, please go to stupiddumbbreastcancer.com. And everything you can find is there. Brady, another show is down and ready and locked and loaded. Yes. I'm telling you, what a great, great advocate. Um, And I'm so glad that we got to have um, this conversation with Anne-Marie tonight. Um, We have got a great lineup uh, coming up for the rest of Healthy Voices Radio Season 2. So, everyone, please stay tuned. Uh, Don't forget, download us uh, on your favorite podcatcher, um, iTunes, uh, Google Play, and Block Talk Radio. There you have it, everyone. Have a great night, and we'll see you next time.